The Start. On Demand. demand. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning. It is an exciting week because GMAC... They, they have started. They're underway. The Stanley Cup playoffs, a.k.a. the North American Ice Hockey League Championships. I was counting on an appropriate introduction for this segment, and you, you came up golden, Brett McGarry. Yes. Uh, is it okay if I complain? No. I'm- <laughs> Are you going to complain about the start time on Wednesday, 8 o'clock? Uh, I can suck it up for one night because then... Uh, the game the game on uh, Friday could start at midnight. doesn't matter to me. I know it would be difficult for, for some of you. So uh, just one, at least so far, midweek game that starts at a less than opportune time. It's, it's time to get excited. It is the second season, the Jets-Oilers, for the first time since 1990. And yes, they're different franchises. So let's put it this way. It's the first time, Lorenz, since 1990. Winnipeg and Edmonton have met in a National Hockey League playoff series, and I couldn't be more excited. The NHL playoffs got underway on Saturday. Yesterday, there were three games. They were all outstanding hockey games, and I think the thing that jumped out for many people was the fact that there were so many fans in the stands and that just that separation, because we're not going to see that here in Canada. And when you think back to August, when the play-in series and the play-in games began in Toronto and Edmonton last year to, to finish off the, the 1920 season. Could you have ever imagined that the United States would have fans in buildings before Canada? No. And it was the first comment we made when we turned the TV on yesterday. I think the first game we had on just in the background really was the Pittsburgh game. Cause we have a Penguins fan in the house. And the first comment was, huh, Look at that fans and then the Vegas game. And then you just, you know, I kept staring at the stands, but that's what I was focused on largely. And so, no, I would not have imagined a year ago, the States would have been ahead of us based on in this COVID battle, based on how they were doing then. And then of course, over the weekend, we had another day of 500 plus cases. Cases keep hovering around that 500 mark, a little bit above, a little bit below, a little bit way too above depending on the day. And so it just, it's kind of an uncomfortable spot we're in right now. They warned us this was coming, but yeah, here we are. High COVID case counts, more schools moving to remote learning tomorrow. That's the hard news. The good news is the Jets are in the playoffs. And so we want to have a bit of fun today. You mentioned 1990. We want to hearken. Can we, can I use the word hearken back to yes. the days of <laughs> yore? Is that, I don't think you can say days of yore when you're only going back 21 years. However, we're going to go back to the 1990s today and, and talk about it. You know, back in a time when a dozen eggs cost a buck. <laughs> Stamp was just 25 cents. Slurpees, what were they? 49 cents? Maybe. Maybe. I'm going to look that up, but I'm going to hold to that. Maybe 50 cents for a Slurpee. And and uh, music was, was it was it good in the 90s? Oh, it's better. I loved the music <laughs> in the 90s. Whether it was the pop music, some of the mm-hmm. rap music, the 90s rock in particular, Canadian yes. rock in the 1990s was outstanding. Not to suggest it's lousy now, but that was that was my sort of formative time, right? So, of course, whenever I need a go-to or a comfort, whenever I need like a comfort song, it always ends up inevitably being from the 1990s. So, yeah, we're going to have some fun with the 90s today. We'll hear some 90s music and we're going to talk about restaurants because we love food so much here on the start so we're going to talk about the restaurants that we miss 
from the 1990s. Maybe it's a restaurant that finally closed its doors in the 90s, or maybe it opened in the 90s, or I don't know, maybe you remember a marketing campaign from the 90s that makes you smile, and that... 645 will tell you what you can win as we discuss those restaurants. When did Chi-Chi's finally say goodbye, Greg? Uh, they went bankrupt the first time over the weekend. Get this, while I moved from Winnipeg to Calgary, I left my job at Chi-Chi's Winnipeg on Thursday, uh, drove through the weekend, went to Chi-Chi's on the Cloud Trail Monday morning to start my new job, and they'd gone bankrupt. Oh, no. Over the weekend, but fortunately in the reorganization, they had kept that store open or that restaurant open. The other Calgary location was unfortunately closed. And then they went through some reorganization. I want to say Chi-Chi's became Gringo's at Polo Park, I would say in 1993. So uh, not too long after that, I think it it survived as Chi-Chi's for only a little while. I'll have to uh, reach out to some of my former co-workers who stuck around through that transition and, and try and get a date for you. Okay, so we'll talk more about that at 6.45. And at 7.37, we have something special for you. We've been telling you for the last couple of weeks you can nominate a nurse for a chance to win a $250 gift card for you and said nurse from Sleep Country. So at 7.37, we have our winning nomination. So we are going to speak to the nominator and hopefully the nominee, and you will not want to miss this submission. I, 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 I don't know how you reacted, Loren, but when I read it, especially like right at the end, there was just this extra little emotion. It was such a sweet nomination, but then right at the end, it was like this emotional uppercut, straight right flurry. Straight to the heart, to jab, straight to all the feelings is what it was, and it was great, so I can't wait. I don't want to say anything more because it really deserves uh, that read in the share where you're just like, oh... There it is. How lovely. So it was a wonderful nomination. Uh, We can't wait to hopefully get our nominee and uh, the winners on the phone, Brett, and have, have have good feelings for all the right reasons this morning. And speaking of good feelings, we had our Grace Hospital Foundation Radiothon, the first ever on Friday. And wow, did Manitoba come through in the clutch? We're going to tell you just how well you came through right after we have a look at your forecast next on the start this is how we do it it's friday night and i feel all right the party's here on the west side so i reach for my 40 and i turn it up designated time i take the keys to my truck hit the shop because i'm faded honey's in the streets say money yo we made it it feels so good Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, question of the day at cjob.com. Manitobans age 12 to 17 can now book an appointment for a vaccine. Who do you think should decide if they get the shot? And 67% say the parent should decide, while 33% say the teen should decide for themselves. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com. That question went up Friday afternoon. We'll get a new one up for you this morning from Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. You're hearing another great song from the 90s, No Diggity. We're going to talk 90s restaurants in our next segment. And then, Loren, just after Global News at 7 o'clock, you heard Kayla's forecast, hot, hot, hot. That, uh, well, hey, sunshine and heat is nice, but... There is an unfortunate side effect, and that is 
drought. Yeah, we've been talking about that for weeks here on CGOB, just the severe drought situation we're in. And yes, for all sorts of people, that's a real concern, not just for lawns and gardens, but for farmers, for folks fighting the wildfires. And one thing that was raised by a listener to us on Friday that had me reaching out to producers in the Portage area was, you know, hang on, it's not just about what needs to fall from the sky. Many producers rely on what's in the rivers to pull water from those rivers, the Cinnaboyne River, to irrigate their crops. And we're going to speak to a farmer after seven who says the river, she doesn't believe she's seen it this low in decades. And so lots of real concerns there. Uh, we'll visit with that Portage producer at 707. GMAC, more people living and shopping downtown. That's been a goal for the city of Winnipeg for years. Yeah, lots of ways to approach that. And during this pandemic, it's an understatement to say that it's been a challenge for business to attract folks to their places of business. So last fall, in a move to make a trip downtown more inviting, the city permanently added two hours of complimentary parking to on-street parking on Saturdays in the downtown and the exchange. So if you pull into one of those on-street spots, you can get two hours of free parking and then pay for another two hours for a total of four hours in the same spot. Clear, right, McNabb? I'm not sure. I wrote this up, and even now as, as you read it, I'm like, I'm not so sure it is. And, and that's fair. It's why the city recently added new signs to help drivers understand the rules. Here was the message in a City of Winnipeg tweet, which was posted yesterday. Heading to downtown or the West End this weekend? The City of Winnipeg offers two hours of complimentary parking on Saturdays in all paid parking areas except around hospitals. Perfect for grabbing something to eat, doing some shopping, or heading to a park. But did you know you can also pay for an additional two hours of parking on Saturdays, allowing you to park for up to four hours total? I'm Dan Locke, policy analyst with the Winnipeg Parking Authority. We know the rules around Saturday parking have been confusing, so we're adding new signage to help clear things up. Okay, so try to picture this for me if you can. On the signpost, there's the usual sign showing a hand holding a credit card in the payment machine and then a note, 9 to 15.30, which would be 9 to 3.30, Monday to Friday, two hours. So by that, because you can see the, the hand indicating a payment, you know you have to pay to get two hours of parking. Over the past few days, they've added a second sign. So right now, below that first one indicating you have to pay during the week, there's a sign that says Saturdays, 8 to 5, four hours. As Colin Fast, who works with the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce, said on Twitter yesterday, sincerely appreciate the efforts to clarify Saturday parking rules, but I hope there's more to it than this sign. I don't think this is going to communicate to anyone that they can park for free for two hours. I'd read it as saying I can pay for four hours on Saturdays. And I actually just showed the picture of uh, what, what's in this new ad by the city of Winnipeg around my to my husband yesterday and even he said i don't i don't even know what i'm looking at do i pay both days is it six you know what's the total here (laughs) which was is it six hours here and so here again is the explanation from the winnipeg parking authority when you see these new four hour signs it means you can park for up to four hours two hours of which are free there is no requirement to pay up front to receive the two complimentary hours simply show up and park just remember to move your vehicle to another block or pay for additional time after two hours what? Yeah. They, 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 I think I was clear on it until they threw in that last piece about having to move my car or pay for additional hours. Or Can, can you replay that again? Can you play that one more time, Brett? When you see these new four-hour signs, it means you can park for up to four hours, two hours of which are free. 
There is no requirement to pay up front to receive the two complimentary hours. Simply show up and park. Just remember to move your vehicle to another block or pay for additional time after two hours. Ah, don't tell me that last part. It just, it just it adds to the confusion. And this, of course, because when this originally came out, there were people that were getting tickets, right? They were getting tickets for not paying first. And there was a, a sense that they were enforcing a rule that the second two hours, you had to pay for the first two and then the free parking would kick in. Well, obviously that's asinine. That is not the intention. The intention is to come park for free entice for two you hours. to come down. To- yep. What's that, Loren? Said come park for free for two hours and then if you right. want to stay longer, pay for two more. And then if you want to Correct. stay longer than that, move, then you got to Then you got to go and, right, and find some alternate arrangements. But truth be no, well, anyway. We can we can have all sorts of discussions about this. Why does why does even the the simplest of of moves by the city of Winnipeg become so complicated, Brett? I well, don't. Well, it's understand. actually well, it's it, it confused me at first, but then it made sense. It's either so you park for two hours for free, and then if you don't want to pay for another two hours, you move your car, and then you get to pull into another spot on a different block, and then you get those two hours for free. But if you just want to leave your car in that same spot, you can for another two hours, but you got to pay. So the explanation makes sense to you, or that sign makes sense to you? The explanation makes sense. If I were looking at that sign, that wouldn't be enough. But uh, usually they also have some instructions on the meters. On the meter. Yeah, so, good point. So you might need to, but the sign, no. The sign, if I just looked at that sign, I would think, okay, I can park here for four hours, but I got to pay for it. So uh, I guess it's good they're trying to get the message out, but there mm-hmm. should be something on that. Like, would it be so hard to, to put a little parentheses to first two hours free? Like, I'm not know. sure. I, I, there's all sorts of, I, I was wondering about this. Is it because they have to be cognizant of people with who might speak different languages and how would you translate that? Is it because of literacy? You know, not maybe not everyone would be able to read it the same way. I was trying to figure out what the sign should show, you know, like a hand with the payment plus two hours plus two hours and then like a like a coyote <laughs> driving circle. the car away to another spot, like a cartoon or something. I don't know. Let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. In a moment, we're switching gears to 90s restaurants right after we check your weather. Next on the start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Today we're going to have a lot of fun remembering the 90s because the last time the Winnipeg Jets played the Edmonton Oilers in the Stanley Cup playoffs was in the 90s. So we're going to hear some 90s music throughout the show. And for this segment and through the morning, we got a $20 gift card up for grabs for Santa Lucia Pizza based on your text messages at 204-780-6868 about restaurants from the 90s, whether it's restaurants that opened in the 90s or perhaps last existed in the 90s. Maybe you recall a specific marketing campaign for a restaurant from the 1990s, like wasn't the Taco Bell Chihuahua? Of course, I think of Taco Bell first, Loren. 
I think that Chihuahua was from the 90s. Or, or for the younger folk in this crowd, like the Jeff Fortiers and the Cameron Poitresses, maybe the places you liked going to when you were a kid. Like, where did you beg your parents to drag you? Cam Poitras, where did you beg your parents to take you? Well, I'm setting a ground rule here. Greg is not allowed to mention Chi-Chi's once <laughs> during this entire thing, so we'll kick off with that. Uh, Our listeners will do that. <laughs> I know they, they will. don't need my help. I know. It's already started. He so. talked about it for six minutes uh, off the top. Oh, I, I, was, I heard it. I heard it. Um, uh, but uh, I, I have to go with Alicia's uh, Ukrainian uh, in the north end there. Uh, just call. like a, a, a wonderful place. We used to go there all the time with my with my dad. I think you can still, I think they still do catering and the recipes are still around. I know they're up in Gimli for, for a period of time, but I think they're back here maybe on Albert Street or something like that. But my dad is a sour cream fiend. He loves Ukrainian food, pierogies, uh, all that kind of stuff. Of course, the history with John Candy and, and things like that. But yeah, Alicia's was a place we used to, we used to love going all the time. Nice pick. Yeah, unfortunately, that uh, that place you're thinking of on Albert is closed. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a great spot. Uh, for uh, Jeff Forte, let's go to you. Yeah, you know, I'm actually thinking about being a kid because, of course, that's what I was in the 90s. Yes. And for me, like, I think about the birthday parties and, like, you go to McDonald's and you'd have a birthday party at McDonald's. You'd be playing in the play structure and then you'd have all the McDonald's characters, like Grimace. What was he? He was a taste bud, was he? Is that what he was? I think he was a taste bud. He was a, a purple I did not blob. know that. <laughs> he, he was what you turn into when you eat a McDonald's. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, but there's so many memories of, of all those characters. And then you'd get the, the toy with your Happy Meal. I don't know if they still do that. But, you know, like McDonald's was, you know, it was for kids, basically. That's what... All of it was for it was uh, you know it was one heck of a time. Remember the ball pit there on uh, the one on Henderson and uh, Wellams there. It was uh, in the it was in the basement. In the basement, you remember in the that basement, one and you'd never know what you find in that ball pit. Nothing good, <laughs> nothing good at all. By the way, I'm just looking up what is Grimace, and what I've landed on here is Grimace is a character featured in McDonald Land commercials. He is a large purple anthropomorphic being of indeterminate species. <laughs> what the heck is that? <laughs> Short arms and legs. So determinant species. So, so I think Cam's um, description, a purple blob, uh, works just fine. Jeff Braun, what about you? For me, it's the Nyakwa Pizza in Altono. It was mostly a takeout pizza place, but they also had a few tables in there where you could dine in. And uh, in high school and a few years after that, my friends and I spent hours upon hours in there every week just just ordering coffee and smoking and generally you know <laughs> annoying everyone like teenagers do but uh we, we we spent so much time in that coffee shop but it was uh it was just uh, it was our place to be it was like uh the the central perk and friends kind of thing oh very nice very nice loren McNabb. you could still go to niaqua yeah is there, there's some you can still get the pig, pizza yeah yeah you can't sit in there and smoke anymore, I don't think. No, I don't think they want you sitting in there and smoking anymore. I love Nyakwa pizza. That's a great pizza. I miss, and this will never make a comeback, because you wonder what the future of smorgs is or buffets or all the rest with this pandemic. But, man, I loved me a good bonanza. Yeah! And you'd go in and you'd have, like, a salad bar and then your meat, whatever meal you ordered, like your chicken fingers and fries, and then you got to go make your own ice cream or an ice cream sundae. Like, I loved it. You had to do that weird lineup in the beginning where you lined up for your spot and your plate. I loved Bonanza. Bonanza oh. and Brandon. My mom used to take my sister and I to Bonanza all the time, and she would get mad at me because I always wanted to start at the ice cream bar. She's like, eat some food before you have five bowls of ice cream, Brett. <laughs> but uh, sometimes I would just do it. Mackley. 
uh, the numbers on the table, right? That was always fun. Bonanza or Ponderosa, there's a little bit of a rivalry there. Uh, I'm going to go with Fuddruckers. Fuddruckers. Fuddruckers was something I got introduced to in Minneapolis back in 87. And then a couple of years later, they opened here in Winnipeg. And the rumor was that some of the Winnipeg Jets actually owned that franchise or part of it. And that's uh, that that was at the intersection, if I'm right, Ellis and St. James Street. There's a Smitty's or a Denny's there now. So uh, Fuddruckers, they were sort of the original. It was sort of like a mix of a burger place and Subway where you could pick your toppings. They had a toppings bar, the lettuce, tomatoes, the onions, the pickles and everything. And you could pretty much slap on whatever you wanted on those burgers they were very good the fries were great but uh for whatever reason it didn't last in winnipeg and rumor has it that there's still a fuddruckers in regina of all places really yes oh that's interesting hey, did you like fuddruckers mcgarry i don't think i ever went to fuddruckers i don't think i ever made it there Probably just because it was in St. James and I lived in Transcoma. Well, out of town. It was an out, uh, like a long-distance trip <laughs> from totally, Transcoma. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well have been in Regina. <laughs> um, well, hey, when you come to work, it takes you, what, 30 minutes to get to work, Mackling, from North Kildonan? So, yeah. yeah okay. Pretty much. All right. Uh, this listener <laughs> well, says, we were apart. my first okay. job was at Caesar's Palace Restaurant in Pull Apart. <gasps> the question is, does anyone remember that? I don't. Yes. Mackling? Yes. They had a, they had phones at each table and you phoned in yes, your order. That's and right. And they had the best cinnamon buns there. It was amazing. It was huge. They had these orange booths. They also had a counter where you could sit. It was absolutely fabulous it was uh like if you could entomb that and go back to it loren it would be like a, a literal time machine to go back and sit in those big orange booths it reminds me of the booths when you said that i was thinking of the diners where you'd have your own juke just a jukebox yes where you'd sit and yes. you'd be like yes i'm gonna play my own tunes here and that was always a throwback to an earlier time we should bring a good landline back to a restaurant like that. So here's Solid what we need. Investment. Here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868 for the $20 gift card, Santa Lucia Pizza. Tell us a story about a 90s restaurant. We'll give it away just after 9.15. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb as we revisit the 1990s because the Jets are playing the Oilers this week for the first time in the playoffs since the 1990s. And we're asking you at 204-780-6868 to text us a story about a 90s restaurant. Like Derek, we've had a few people text in about Susie Q's. Derek saying, we actually had back-to-back texts from different listeners. Uh, Derek says, Susie Q's, Portage Avenue. And I think Barry or Ferry. Dad used to take me there before bomber games at the old stadium. They had the best milkshakes and burgers. They also had mini jukeboxes at the table because it was themed like a 50s rest. Was it 50s, Greg? Yeah, I feel like a 50s diner. You bet. Cool. So, yeah, I, I always wanted to go to Suzy Q's. I never went. So thank you for that, Derek, and unnamed listener uh, who also enjoyed it. Felt like a happy day's throwback. So 9-15, we're going to give away a San Lucia Pizza $20 gift card. But in the meantime, we have something special for you here, something we hope, we think, we are sure will warm your heart. For the last couple of weeks, we've been asking you to nominate a nurse at cjob.com nominate a nurse in your life who you appreciate for the chance for both of you to win a 250 dollars sleep country gift card and 
we have our winner. But before we bring her on, Loren, we want to hear what she had to say about the nurse in her life. So this is the letter from the woman who's nominated the nurse, the nominated nurse at CJOB.com. Here's how it went. Courtney is an ICU nurse at the Grace Hospital. She works 12-hour shifts and has three children. She always has time to pick up extra shifts when she can, since she is called frequently each day. During this pandemic, her shifts are busy and she must protect herself and others with full personal protective equipment. They must wear a respirator almost continually, and these nurses sometimes do not even have a break or get a chance to eat or drink some water. Often, she is asked to work over her 12-hour shift. This nurse, Courtney, rarely complains, works very hard at home and at work, and cares deeply about her patients and their families. She also cares for her family and appreciates her fellow co-workers. I know this pandemic has been a stress on everyone, but the healthcare workers are feeling the strain continuously. I nominate her because I see her dedication, her fearlessness, and her desire to help the people in the ICU. She deals with very ill patients and sees the effects of this pandemic firsthand. She rejoices in their recovery, and she cries when they do not win the battle. I see how much she respects her supervisor, her co-workers, and she is definitely a vital team player. This listener writes, I am also a nurse in rural Manitoba. I am also a mother. I am Courtney's mother. The name of the nurse is Courtney Larkin. Her mother is Lori Chappelle. Lori, congratulations. You nominated a nurse and you and Courtney will get the $250 gift card from Sleep Country. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for writing this letter. You Was this as emotional for you to write as it was for us to read? Yes, very emotional. And um, I'm so proud of her, and she does so well in her chosen profession. Lori, when you talk. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for sharing this story with us. And thank you for for your work, your time, your dedication as a nurse. And I've mentioned this too many times to count on the air, but when it comes to nursing, it feels as though it's a little bit of a calling. You know, a profession is one thing, a vocation is another, but this is this is a way of life, isn't it, Lori? Yes, it is. Very much so. I and think it's that's very what... trying times for nurses right now, for everyone in healthcare. For sure, and I think, Lori, that's why that last night line really hit home when we were reading, you wrote, I am also a nurse in rural Manitoba, I am also a mother, I am Courtney's mother. And... Uh, it's, it's hard, you know, when you're a mom and you think about how hard your kids are working and how hard it is to see it work. So you you perhaps been worrying about your own health through this uh, COVID For pandemic, sure. but then you're worrying about your daughter too, who's putting herself on the front lines. Yes, and her children. And, and uh, it's a very stressful job right now for everybody. Well, Courtney Larkin is on the line as well. Courtney, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Did you have any idea your mom was up to this? <laughs> my dad kind of spilt the beans the other night. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think of what your mom wrote? Oh, I'm crying. <laughs> so sweet. And it's nice to be appreciated. <laughs> I, I, I know following in, in your elders' uh, footsteps sometimes is uh, a very special road to travel. Uh, how much of your decision to become a nurse had to do with the foundation your mom laid and the and the work that that she did and just talk about your mom a little bit um well she's she's 100 percent the reason why i'm a nurse 
like I didn't want to be anything else growing up. I kind of seen how hard she worked and how much reward she got out of her profession. And I knew right from the beginning that's what I wanted to do. And straight out of high school into university, I went and yeah, became a nurse. So this is 100% the reason why I chose my career path. Lori, you must be so proud to hear that because that's a good example you set. The hard work seems to be passed down from your generation to your daughters. Yeah, I, I'm speechless, actually. I actually <laughs> have another daughter who's a nurse as well, so I must have had some influence on them as they grew up and had to put up with uh, shift work and babysitters. and It was it was a good profession. I'm... I am thinking of retiring soon, so... Sorry, you said you have another daughter who is also a nurse? Yes, I do. Okay, so did you just create a sibling rivalry by choosing Courtney to nominate for this contest? (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) Courtney, are you going to rub this in your sister's face? (laughs) Oh, no, I'm going to share it with her. (laughs) Well, Courtney Larkin, the nominated nurse, and Lori Chappelle, Courtney's mom, who nominated her, the nominated nurse contest that we've been running at cjob.com for the sleep country gift cards congratulations to you both and thank you both for all the work that you and your family do for for manitobans in our hospitals thank you so much thank you thank you very much it it, oh and a reminder as well since uh, courtney greg is at the grace hospital uh we mentioned it earlier but for those just tuning in the Grace Hospital Foundation Radiothon on Friday was an overwhelming success to the levels of which we could never have even anticipated. Yeah, the goal was to raise $200,000. They were looking to kickstart their echocardiogram fund uh, for a new diagnostic center there. And so this was the first time they'd ever done it. They'd never had a Radiothon before. They entrusted Chorus Radio Winnipeg, CJOB. They entrusted our listeners, that's you, and you really, really stepped up. $200,000, the goal, as I mentioned, they ended up $2 short of $274,000. That is absolutely incredible. Loren, we've been involved with all sorts of fundraising efforts over the years, either at Global Television or here at CJOB. And usually those goals are met and maybe exceeded somewhat, but this was an absolute crushing of the goal. Yeah, it was so overwhelming to read that on the weekend, and and I was so pleased. But also, I think it's really crucial now more than ever. There's all sorts of things that they want to put that money towards. But, of course, we heard them mention that we're in the middle of this pandemic. We're in this third wave, and so some of the money will go towards, you know, making sure they have the right supports for both the patients and staff. And we just heard from a staff member, Courtney, who just won our nurse contest, nursing contest. You know, Grace Hospital is seen a lot of COVID patients as well. And I, and I remember talking to nurses there a few months ago and it's the little things that have helped them get through. And so uh, this contest, you know, it's just a contest, but it's, it's the little ways of being appreciated that we've heard over and over again from our frontline workers, whether it's, you know, the, the cards that get sent, coffee being dropped off, meals, all sorts of things. It's knowing that someone out there is thinking of them. That's I know helping them get up in the morning and go through some of the most unimaginable things over and over again. 
7.46 on 680 CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Thank you once again to Lori for nominating her daughter, Courtney, in the Nominate a Nurse contest. And thanks to all who submitted nominations. It was not an easy choice to pick a winner for that. And I'm glad it wasn't our choice. That was our promotions team. Because so. <laughs> uh, that would have made our weekend a lot more stressful. It's uh, time to check traffic and weather next on The Start. Mackling McGarry and McNabb, Jeff Forte. I have not heard this song in so long. Bone Thugs in Harmony as we look back to the music of the 1990s because the Winnipeg Jets playing the Edmonton Oilers for the first time since the 90s in the playoffs at least. And at 9.15, we're going to give away a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza based on your text messages about restaurants from the 1990s. And as it pertains to restaurants... You know, since they're all closed again, I've been going through my camera roll on my phone through the dozens and dozens of pictures that I've taken over of all the takeout I've eaten in the last year. And I have now taken to uh, making recommendations and suggestions. So if you follow me on Instagram at Brett McGarry uh, over the next couple of weeks, I'm just going to be popping up random suggestions on places that I've either already eaten at or places that I've just gone to recently. I've got three up there so far and I have lots more coming. So uh, yeah, if you need restaurant ideas, I have lots of those. I don't have a lot of skills or talents, but I eat lots of takeout, Loren. Yeah, your pictures were making me hungry this weekend. You talked about Frankie's. You had the chicken sandwich at the Grove. And so, of course, takeout's really our only option right now. We all know that. We can't dine in as we normally would. So we're we're doing takeout as much as we can or delivery if we're able to. But the question remains, you know, when these restrictions lift, are you ready to go back to many of the places that you once enjoyed, whether it be restaurants or gyms or more? A survey conducted in mid-May by the Agri-Food Analytics Lab and Angus Reid found 60% of Canadians are good to go. They really have no issues with that return, slow return to normal. But as it's pointed out, that means 40% might have some reservations with the idea. And of course, Greg, that has our next guest wondering if more needs to be done to encourage Canadians to get out the door once we're through all this. That's an interesting point and a conversation we're going to have now with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. He's the Senior Director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab out of Dalhousie University. Good morning, Sylvain. Good morning. So this is an interesting question and I would say the the fact that uh, a good number of people are not anxious to rush back out the door is, is, is probably helping overall our approach to COVID and the, the fact that uh, not everybody wants to run right back out and get back into things could be a positive thing, but, but let's get into the numbers a little bit. What did they show for Manitoba? Yeah, so for Manitoba in particular, uh, things aren't great. <laughs> There's a lot of fear out there. 42% of Manitobans actually uh, intend to avoid restaurants uh, for a time being. That's the second highest rate uh, after Ontario in the country. Uh, so I don't know what's going on in Manitoba, but uh, things aren't necessarily great. Um, of course, managing risks 
uh, is important. You want to contain the virus as much as possible. But uh, at 42 percent, this is really much about fear, uh, long-term fear. And if you want to uh, rebuild uh, the economy or allow the economy to recover, you you have to think about, you know, people who are uh, looking at uh, going out, but they're not sure. So 37% of Manitobans want to get out. Like, they, they're fine with, with the virus. They're fine with, uh, with uh, go- the idea of going out. Uh, but 20% actually are, well, they're thinking about it. They're, they're on the fence. They're not sure. And that's the 20%, I think, that, that perhaps governments or the sector should be thinking about. The United States is looking at a massive cash injection for the restaurant industry. What are they doing? So 20, almost $29 billion. So as of this morning, if you're a restaurant operator in the United States, you can apply for a grant, not a loan, a grant to make your facility more safer, essentially, and allow patrons to feel safer. So it goes from buying more PPEs to perhaps increasing the space that you you have to to serve patrons and so perhaps building a patio those types of things can actually be quite helpful for restaurateurs of course cash flow is a big is a big deal we believe that we've lost probably about 25% of all restaurants in the country but people restaurants that do remain in the market will need some help and of course on the other side uh, you may want to think about incentivizing people uh, who, who are thinking of going out uh, but not sure. For example, uh, tax rebates. Uh, that's something that New Brunswick actually did last year. Um, uh, tax intensive, uh, perhaps uh, giving credit to people who want to take yoga lessons or go to the gym and things like that because we need to get active again. A lot of people have gained weight throughout the pandemic, so you want to make sure that people are out and about as much as possible. I'm curious, uh, I'm speaking with the food professor, Sylvain Charlebois. I'm curious, you know, you mentioned that there might be people who have concerns about getting back into to business as usual because of this pandemic. I'm wondering if it's also maybe more of a habit thing. It's been a, it hasn't just been a couple months. It's been, you know, 15, 16 months, maybe 17, 18 before we're, you know, get double, do- double doses in arms. And so habitually, we've just changed the way we're doing things. We, might, we may not be just even thinking about getting out to the restaurant or maybe I've started working out at home and that's part of the issue of, of the return to the gym that the habits have changed dramatically not just our thoughts and potential fears Sylvain oh absolutely I mean I, if you remember I don't know about you guys but last year's spring was a little bit harder because it was all new we were all very confused weren't sure how long this was going to last uh, COVID came violently into our lives now, 14, 15 months in, uh, it feels like, you know, almost normal to be in and, and be careful. And, and you want to be careful as much as possible, but people are getting vaccinated. And so this is, I mean, this is great news. I mean, people are, are, are we're, we're building our collective uh, immunity, which is great. We're not there yet, of course, but we will get there eventually. And when you look at the UK and the United States, I mean, you can you can see what uh, states, what governments are actually doing to simulate the one part of our economy that can actually get people out, uh, and that's the hospitality industry. 
There's one other place that uh, some are looking for the government to play a role, Sylvain, and that's maybe reinstituting write-offs for for business in terms of uh, lunches and and dinners and entertainment. Is that something you could see being a part of the solution here? Absolutely. If if you empower the economy to stimulate itself, uh, I think we would be in a better shape. Last month in April, we lost 207,000 jobs. So we have to think about, you know, getting people back uh, in, in the market as much as possible. And, and the one segment of our population that has been hard hit by, by the pandemic are women. And many of these sectors, uh, many of these employers do employ women. And so we have to think about ways to, to allow our, our economy to recover or else, I mean, living in fear, I think this spring and summer uh, coming uh, are great opportunities to think differently about our economy and think differently about uh, about the role, the economic role that the hospitality sector actually has. Uh, or else uh, we may actually just not be able to recover as quickly as we should. Sylvain Charlebois, the food professor, senior director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab out of Dalhousie University, joining us live on CJOB. Sylvain, pleasure as always, sir. Take care. Bye-bye. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, as we listen to the music of the 90s, we're asking you to text us about restaurants from the 90s that you miss. Aaron, for example, we were talking about Mother Tucker's earlier. Aaron says, I worked at Mother Tucker's as a teenager for three and a half years. We, were, we went through every inch of that building, which had many hallways, staircases, nooks, and crannies. Never encountered a ghost. At the time, I was the only female busboy. The ultimate humiliation at this job was <laughs> dressing up like Mother Tucker when the oh lovely boy. older lady was not able to be at work and serve pie. <laughs> and then she adds, maybe this will win me a gift certificate. So thanks for that experience, Aaron. Someone who worked there three and a half years, never saw a ghost. Keep your stories coming. 9.15, we're giving away the $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. But it's Monday, just after 8.30. The Stanley Cup playoffs are underway, even as the Vancouver Canucks and Calgary Flames work to end their regular season. There was one playoff game Saturday, three yesterday, two games went to overtime, and the other two were one-goal games. All four featured fans in the stands. Yeah, that one of those one-goal games I caught yesterday, and I was watching, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, look, there's people in the stands. And so I was watching to see how they were you know, seated and how that was all configured and whether they had to have masks on, but also noticing, Greg, just how great it did sound to have that very real audio watching the Vegas game. And, and I was in the kitchen doing something and I could hear just the excitement when Mar- uh, Marc-Andre Fleury made this amazing save. And I was like, that's how it's supposed to sound, the real world reaction to a game. So there was part of me that was more excited than anything else to just even think about that prospect someday. And unfortunately, in this day and age, I shared some video from uh, the Vegas Golden Knights game just saying, geez, I wish I was going to be at a hockey game on Sunday night. And it became a string of political text messages. And it's like, geez, I was just expressing my desire to be in a <laughs> hockey game. And, and it got all bogged down. Hey, the Winnipeg Jets get their playoffs going Wednesday night in Edmonton. Uh, game two goes Friday. Games three and four going back-to-back Sunday and Monday here in Winnipeg on the long weekend. Bob Irving joins us now for his weekly visit. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, you guys. 
How much hockey were you able to consume this weekend? <laughs> Quite a bit. I watched uh, portions of and uh, large parts of all four of the games. And, you know, the first thing that strikes you, and it's the same every year, is how the intensity is ratcheted up at playoff time. You know, some of the regular season games are, are pretty pedestrian, but it's never like that in the playoffs. The hard hitting uh, is there in every game. It, it, the intensity is right through the roof. That Washington-Boston game, the opener Saturday, went to overtime. And Craig Anderson came in to play goal for the Capitals at 39 years of age, and they won it. Islanders-Pittsburgh, Minnesota-Vegas, and Loren talked about the fans. They had about 9,000. No, I think they had 12,000 fans mm-hmm. in Vegas. And then last night, they had around 9,000 in Sunrise, Florida, for a Tampa Bay-Florida Panthers game, the first ever all-Florida Stanley Cup playoff game. And it was rugged, hard, nasty, not always fair. And it was really an exciting hockey game. So we're off and running with the Stanley Cup playoffs. And like most hockey fans, especially in the first round, it's hard to take your eyes off some of these games. Jets versus Oilers. We will take a look at the rivalry between Winnipeg and Edmonton on the ice all week. Can you talk about the last time the Winnipeg Jets defeated the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs? Like We're going way back in the final season of the World Hockey Association. Well, I can talk about it because I was there for those games. Uh, the WHA that year, Brett had reached an agreement with the NHL to have Quebec, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and New England admitted to the NHL. The uh, World Hockey Association was ceasing, so this was the last AFCO Cup. And it is the last time the Jets beat the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs. They won the AFCO Cup final four games to two. It's funny, in game five, the Jets were up three games to two. They lost 10-2 in Edmonton. And then they came back and won game six, seven, three in Winnipeg. And that, that Jets team, I remember, had some terrific players. And that Hedberg and Nielsen were gone. Uh, but Kent Nielsen had 39 goals that year. Morris Lukowicz scored 65. Peter Sullivan, Terry Ruskowski, Rich Preston was named the MVP of the playoffs. Willie Lindstrom, Billy Lesuk, uh, Lyle Moffat. I can go on on Joe Daly, Marcus Matson, Suitcase Smith, and Will Barry Long. Uh, yeah, great memories from that time. And, and Edmonton had a 17-year-old player at that time, his name was Wayne Gretzky. They'd acquired him from Indianapolis early in the season when the Indianapolis team folded. He scored 110 points that year, the final year of the WHA as a 17-year-old. But uh, that's the last time the Jets bettered the Oilers. You mentioned Wayne Gretzky. He's actually an Order of Canada recipient. We learned in the last couple days on May 12th, Bob, that several Manitobans are going to receive the Order of Manitoba. And on that list is another guest we want to bring on. We want to say good morning to movie producer Kyle Irving. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning. So you're used to being behind the scenes with this list. You're kind of put out in the spotlight. What's it mean to have this acknowledgement? Well, it's uh, very humbling, um, especially, you know, considering I'm following the footsteps of, the mm-hmm. footsteps of my dad, who uh, received the honor, I think, f- uh, four or five years ago and, um, you know, I'm a passionate Manitoban. I love this place. And to, to be recognized a little bit for that passion is a, a real honor. 
Yeah, I, I texted you the other day, Kyle, and uh, just wanted to pass along my congratulations then just what you do for Manitoba, not only in terms of the economy here, but selling Manitoba's story outside of our borders has become a big, not only passion, but a success story in terms of getting our stories told, getting uh, visuals of our province spread around the world is something else. Bob, uh, tell us how proud you are of this guy. Well, I would speak on behalf of uh, his mom, Day, and myself. We're extremely proud. Uh, Kyle developed an interest in the media world at an early age, and he's turned it into a very successful career. Uh, he's far more aggressive at doing things than I ever was, and he's far more creative than I ever was, and I think he gets that from his mom. Uh, but he's worked hard at it. Uh, he's got great partners. I know and his wife, Rebecca, Lisa Meaches, is his business partner, and everything that he's earned, he deserves because there's no substitute for hard work, long hours and all the rest of it. And uh, we're extremely proud of what Kyle has accomplished. I might say also, he is the biggest Blue Bomber and Jets fan in the world. And Greg, a little bit like you, he has a tendency to be off and on the bandwagon. Now, he will be beside himself if this upcoming series with Edmonton doesn't go well. Right, Kyle? Well, you know, you talk about those Oilers games back in the 80s. Uh, I, I actually started working for CJOB as a production assistant um, back when I was 12 years old. And uh, that's how I kind of got my foot in the door of the media business. And, and I remember, you know, clearly uh, that time in history. I remember going to, to practices with my dad. Uh, being around Wayne Gretzky when he was just starting out. Uh, I have very fond memories of, of meeting him, of, uh, of meeting Dale Howarchuk, of being around all those guys. So I, I remember it well, and I, I also remember losing to them on, a, on the regular. And so I'm actually fully prepared for what might happen in this series uh, <laughs> because the Oilers are a pretty daunting foe, especially with, McDavid and Dreisaitl at the front of that team. 12 years old. That that sounds like some sort of a child labor violation there, Kyle. But uh, like that's a pretty important time to get into. Like That's a really formative time. So how important were those early years in sort of driving you forward with your career path? Well, I don't know if it's less of a labor violation or more of one, but I was unpaid. So um, <laughs> it, 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 was a, it was a terrific opportunity for me to, to understand what my dad did every day. Because in, in this business, when you're in the media and, and you're working on these games, you're, you're often away from home. You're away from home on road trips sometimes for long periods of time. And having, having that perspective was really important. It helped me understand what he did, and, and I, it, I became passionate about being a part of it. And I've tried to do the same with my kids. They've grown up on set. They've grown up in the theater. You know, they are in the arts, and they understand where I am and what I'm doing every day. So, you know, it's, I guess, a different approach to, to the work relationship with family, but it was, you know, a huge benefit to my life, and I think there should be more of it. It's hard for our kids when we go away. It's a lot easier if they understand what we're doing. Yeah, and I think it's easy to understand when people are passionate, they also find happiness in all sorts of ways, Bob and Kyle. So, Bob, you obviously pass that on to Kyle. So let's end on the passion for the Jets. Um, do we dare put a 
our thoughts in terms of how we think this is going to go, or do you want to just say it's going to go well? <laughs> well, look, I think not many people think the Jets have a chance to win this series, and I don't see why they can't win this series. Mm-hmm. And I know all about McDavid and Dreisaitl and how good they are, and that's going to be a huge challenge. There's no question about it. But we've forgotten, I think a lot of people have forgotten because of this late-season slump, how well the Jets played all season long. And I know they didn't match up well against Edmonton, but the playoffs are different. I see it as Connor against Connor. okay? Mm -hmm. If the Jets can contain Connor McDavid to a point, they'll score some goals. They will. And then what they need is Connor Hellebuck to be the best that he can be. And I'm saying they're going to win the series in six. Whoa! Bob's calling a Jets victory six games. I like you calling your shot, Bob. Kyle, can you get behind uh, your dad's reasoning there? Because uh, I kind of agree with them. Well, I'm running to catch up to the bandwagon, so I'm just going to (laughs) say, we're still the champs. Go Bombers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he also learned over the years how to not answer a question. Yeah. Uh, Bob Irving, thank you for the weekly visit as always, sir. Okay, my pleasure, guys. And Kyle Irving, thank you for joining us, and congratulations. Uh, Thanks very much. It is 8.48 on 680 CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. we got to have a look at traffic and weather. Next on the start. All right, stop, collaborate, and listen. Ice is back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights. And I'll glow to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal. Light up a stage and wax a chump. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb as we listen to No Scrubs by TLC, another great 90s song. We're asking you to tell us about 90s restaurants. And Jonathan at 204-780-6868, kind of going in a different direction, saying, I heard you guys talking about 90s restaurants. Mine isn't a restaurant, but it's an item. It's McDonald's pizza. I have fond memories of getting pizza at McDonald's, and while it was short-lived, the kid in me remembers it as the best pizza ever. But I suppose I chalk that up to nostalgia. I never had... The McDonald's really? pizza. Did you, Loren? Oh, yeah, but I'm wondering now. Brandon had it, and there was only a few markets that had it and tested both the pizza, I think, and the delivery, or maybe it's just that Brandon had the delivery. Oh, Because there was wow. an era where they delivered very briefly, and it's the only time in life I'd ever say, yeah, I'll take a burger with a pizza. Like, it was because you could do the combo. The pizza would be a part of a side dish if you wanted it to. It was good. I, it was definitely not the best pizza ever, Johnny, but, no, you know, to each their own. It was fine. But you know what was the best ever about that pizza? Was the logo and the marketing, how they turned the golden arches on their side to make Zeds out of the golden arches. That was always, I thought, so simple and brilliant all at the same time. A lot of nostalgia for the for the McDonald's pizza. I think it was Brandon, Winnipeg, and there was a market down east. I want to say London, Ontario. I've been on some forums when I've gone down a rabbit hole about McDonald's pizza. And uh, there are so many people in Canada, McDonald's never had pizza. Well, you didn't live in the right place, apparently. Yeah, like it was available. I just never tried it for some reason. But on the, the pizza front as well, Greg, as uh, you've observed, uh, we're getting a lot of love as well for Shakey's. That was a pizza place, right? That was the pizza place, and it had a buffet as well. So it was a great place to load up. They had amazing fried chicken. 
They had um, special potatoes, uh, and I can't remember what they were called. Their French fries had a special name. Somebody will remind us at 7806868. And Len said this, uh, back in the day, two buddies and I would once a month take Friday afternoon off and go to Shakey's, all-you-can-eat pizza, chicken buffet in Westwood. One of us would fill the plate with chicken. The other two would fill their plates with pizza and order a pitcher of draft and start the weekend. Have a good one from Len. And I confess to uh, doing similar things, either on our way to a social or maybe uh, before a night out at uh, one of Winnipeg's incredible nightclubs back in the day. It was a good place to carb load and get ready for uh, <laughs> a night of fun. Mojo? Was it Mojo, Mojo potatoes? potatoes? There it is. Thank oh. you, Evelyn. Oh, yeah. We got a bunch of, of course, Daryl weighing in on that, Evelyn weighing in on that. And uh, Tim, <laughs> Tim, are you, Tim says the Hero Burger, bring it back. Are you talking about the Superhero Burger, which later became the Hockey Hero Burger at McDonald's? Yeah, that, that was my favorite. June 1995, the taste of the month. And it was in conjunction with Batman Forever. I ate a lot of those burgers <laughs> that month as I was getting ready to graduate from high school. What so was keep. On that? It was like it was on a little hoagie bun. It was three patties. It had two or three kinds of cheese. And then they later rebranded it as the Hockey Hero. It's the best burger they've ever had. I don't know why they don't bring it back. It must just be a cost thing, I guess, because it was a hit as far as I'm concerned. Keep those texts coming. Your last chance, because we're giving away the gift card at 9.15. Tell us a story about a 90s restaurant. Jeff Brown with Global News at 9 is next on The Start. A little bit of Mary all night long. A little bit of Jessica, here I am. A little bit of you makes me your man. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, Gangsta's Paradise. Another 90s classic song. We are celebrating the 90s because... Winnipeg Jets and Edmonton Oilers. Last time they met in the playoffs was the 90s. And for the $20 gift card for San Lucia Pizza, we are asking you to tell us a story about a 90s restaurant. And Derek says, I remember going to Fuddruckers when I was in high school in the 90s. My buddy Willie was too cheap to buy a drink. So he would just take a cup off a dirty table and wash it in the no. men's room. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I love this story. Because it reminds me of uh, my friends Sean and Jamie in the 90s when we were teenagers. They were always too cheap to buy French fries whenever we went out for fast food. And I remember one time at McDonald's, they were both like, nope, not getting fries. But they both were just staring at my fries the way that moose probably salivates over whatever you're preparing or serving, Loren. Food, garbage, <laughs> dirt, all of the above. So I finally, they were sitting on either, like, across from each other at the table. So I just started chucking French fries their way, and they were fighting over them like rabid dogs. <laughs> so, like, why don't you cheapskates just buy your own darn fries? Human seagulls. <laughs> it was really funny. So, Derek, thank you for that memory, and we're going to pick our winner in our next segment. But... Speaking of food, speaking of restaurants, you know, right now we wanted to discuss one of our favorite things on earth and how that favorite thing is going to help some hardworking Manitobans, Loren, and that thing is hot dogs. Greatest thing to ever throw on a barbecue. Don't you come at me with your steaks because we all know it's the hot dog, it's the smoky. I was downtown 
Friday, had already had lunch, saw a hot dog cart, and then <laughs> frantically looked for places to pull over and park, and there were none. That's how much I love a hot dog. I'll eat it when I'm full. I'll eat it for a parking ticket. Willie Dogs is, of course, a popular hot dog cart in Winnipeg. And they're doing a really cool thing right now, Greg, to try to give back to staff at St. Boniface Hospital. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite places in the world. And uh, Tube Steak, I think, wasn't there a Mr. Tube Steak hot dog cart back in the day? In fact, I think Mike Reno of Loverboy owned a bunch of those carts in <laughs> Vancouver back in the day. But anyway, we'll, 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 we'll get back on track here. We're going to say good morning to Will Galt from Willie Dogs. How are you doing, Will? I'm great. How are you guys? Good morning. Well, good morning to you. It's always great to hear your voice. So let's get some details. I know St. Boniface Hospital has sort of been your long-standing location. You have a, a very, very loyal clientele there. Tell us what the plan is and, and what are you doing for the hospital staff there, Will? Sure. So uh, as many people know, we uh, had to pivot our operations in the winter to a, a curling club and did takeout and delivery, which skyrocketed. So we had done a lot of uh, charity work through the winter. So as the season uh, began to start last week at St. Boniface Hospital, I just seen, you know, a lot less staff coming out, uh, you know, a lot more ambulances, people like a lot more stressed and tired and you know, I just was thinking of something that I could kind of do to help and, and people could get involved with me, with companies and individuals, just to kind of say thank you to these um, healthcare professionals who are working tirelessly on the front line to, you know, provide us exceptional care, not just during the COVID-19 pandemic, but every day. So we've launched a campaign starting today that any company, any union, any individual can purchase a meal voucher. Um, I'm putting in 20% of the meal voucher, so it's at a discounted rate. And they can uh, purchase them online through our website and they can designate a department that they want them to go to, an individual staff member, or they can email me directly and uh, we'll get them in the hands of the frontline workers starting next Monday and all the way until September 15th. Well, we've heard over and over again from frontline workers, healthcare workers, these these gestures, these meals, these cups of coffee, whatever it might be, will mean so much to them and they might seem small, but it's... it's it points to the big hearts of Manitobans. And I'm curious, you know, your cart primarily is located outside St. Boniface Hospital. Just what have you been seeing when it comes to what staff are doing and what they're saying to you when they stop to to grab a bite to eat? Well, the one thing that I've really noticed, uh, you know, from being there for the last four years is a lot more ambulances coming um, and a lot more patients coming with COVID from what I've been told. Um, staff are, you know, not coming out as often because, you know, they have to, if they're working in the ICU, they have to unmask and on gown and, and change everything. And on their 15-minute break, if they get one, don't even have a chance to uh, to enjoy it. So, uh, you know, the morale is kind of down. People are, are tired, right? It's uh, We're going into, you know, 15, 16 months of this. So the way I thought about things, you know, usually with uh, companies and other restaurants that donate meals, it's kind of like here's 50 meals or 100 meals or 200 meals for that day, for that staff, for that department, whoever's working. With this, there's no expiry date. This, this will get to the staff, you know, if they don't have a break that day. They can get it on their way home. They can get it on their next day. It can be, it, it'll include staff that maybe got left out, you know, when, when companies were donating stuff, you know. This will be involving all departments of the hospital, right down from housekeeping that, you know, work tirelessly to the security guards, to the doctors, you know, so we're hoping to cover all avenues and, you know, give a little bit of fresh air too, you know, for, for the staff to come out and have a hot dog, 
you know, maybe be able to sit for their break, go for a walk. And, you know, at the same time, it's helping a small business. It's helping the front line. It's a win-win situation. Hey, Will, how did you end up coming to pick St. Boniface Hospital as your spot? Like, what led you to set up shop there? Well, a little a little story from 2006 to 2011. I was a security supervisor at the hospital, so I had a, a little connection there with the hospital. Um, also, the cart that was there prior to me uh, was a good friend of mine who kind of got me in this industry in 1999. I was working part-time for him when I was managing the Canadiens at nighttime, and he was no longer going to do the cart there, and I had first-hand info that, you know, that would be his last year. So when we were getting our carts ready, it was, you know, a no-brainer for me. I'm like, there's lots, of, there's lots of traffic at the hospital. A lot of people know me there, and I know the location will be available. So, Will, one more time, if you would, let us know how we can get involved if we want to buy a voucher for, for a staff member at St. Boniface Hospital. How do we go about it? For sure. You can go to our website at williedogs.ca and click on support a frontline worker at St. Bonaventure Hospital. And everything is there, all the drop down menus. And you can email me if you like to as well. My email is on there. And we're going to get these uh, vouchers into uh, the deserving people at St. Bonaventure Hospital very soon. Will Galt from Willie Dogs. Thank you very much for joining us today. This is great. And thanks for giving us a heads up uh, on thanks. this initiative over the weekend. Very much appreciated, sir. Great. Thanks for having me. Have a great day, guys. 9.13 on 680 CJOB. I, I'm with you, Loren. I, I love a good barbecued hot dog. I know there are different ways to do it, and there are hot dog aficionados out there who might disagree, but I don't care. I think it tastes great. So Yeah. The more fake cheese infused in it, the better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you can get ones with bacon and cheese inside. Mm-hmm. Had that Saturday. I don't think it was fake. I don't think it's fake. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know what it is per se. <laughs> but you I don't care. Hot dog Saturday, McNabb? <laughs> uh, was it Saturday or Friday? Nope, Friday. Hot dogs oh, were Friday. We had hot dogs here on Saturday as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well done, you guys. And hey, in a moment, we have our winning text on 90s restaurants right after we check your forecast next on the start The Macarena, Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. As we look back at 90s restaurants, we were asking you to text us a story about a restaurant from the 90s. $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. We have our winning text and, of course, a couple of runners-up. Loren, why don't you start us off with this one involving uh, a pregnant mom? I'd like to, but I'm doing the Macarena. My kids came home with this not long ago, and they were like, do you know this song? I'm like, do I know the Macarena? My gosh, you wanted to... Get rid of the DJ after the fifth or sixth time this came around the wheel at some socials because it was played too much. Anyway, this text made me laugh. They write, I was pregnant in the 90s and every day of my pregnancy I had a KFC corn fritter. Once I gave birth, they took them away and were never seen again. I only had one child. 
<laughs> and then I had to ask, sorry, is there a connection then between the lack of corn fritters and no more kids? Yes. Laugh out loud. How could I have more kids if there were no more corn <laughs> fritters to eat? Thanks, KFC. <laughs> oh, that is gold. what an apple fritter is. What's a corn fritter? <laughs> uh, Greg, of course, you, you've, you vouched for Kevin to win, but Loren and I had to push back just based oh, on principle. On. Cam laid out the ground rules. <laughs> So the fact that we're even allowing this to be read is a breach of that. But go ahead and read since, Kevin's text. Since when is Cam Poitras in charge of the start? Give me a break. I'm sure you <laughs> guys all got things Chi-Chi's. Chi-Chi's. Just an all things Chi-Chi's, Cam gets the final say. <laughs> Right. I do love right. Chi-Chi's, by the way. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Get him out of there. Um, one of our first texts was uh, for seafood chimichangas from uh, from Chi-Chi's. So there. Uh, I'm sure you guys got Chi-Chi's. Yes, Kevin. Thank you. We did. But as a 10, 11-year-old leaving Jets home games, listening to the post game hosted at Chi-Chi's, you could hear the restaurant background noise, and they would always mention fried ice cream. As a 10-year-old, I was mind-blown. How do you fry ice cream? Asking my mom to get me fried ice cream, it was always no. To this day, I've never had this magical fried ice cream. I always ran my mom telling her that not having fried ice cream ruined my childhood and would have <laughs> yeah. saved our Jets. How did we vote against this in good conscience? There's a Once Jets again. content. There's a CJOB content. And, and you guys pushed back against this as our winner? I would I have pushed we back. We need to have to a the- meeting after the show today. Hey, we didn't pick the Minidosa text last week for a winner, so you don't get your Chi-Chi's win. We each have a veto. My, we veto Brett on Taco Bell. Yeah. You guys then veto me on Minidosa. I veto you on Chi-Chi's. That's how it goes. Mm. Bad veto here. Bad veto. Well, oh, okay, let me, read, let me read Morgan's story then and see if you change your mind, because I think this, we think, Loren and I think this is hilarious. Morgan says, my brother and I loved going to Bonanza as kids. The ice cream Sunday bar was what dreams were made of. After I had finished the classic combo of pierogies, pizza, pickled beets, chicken, fried shrimp, and baby corn, I went and made myself a Sunday. My brother finished his meal and went to get his. He came back with a towering bowl smothered in chocolate. He took a big bite and said, tasted weird. I said, mine was good. He took a few more giant spoonfuls and again said, this is weird. I ensured him mine was delicious so he kept digging in. Finally, when he was about halfway done, he pushed it toward me and said, taste this. So I took a spoonful and spit it out immediately. It was salty and gross. He had mistaken the giant bowl of whipped butter for the ice cream and had eaten about half a huge bowl. It didn't stop him. But he did go and remedy his mistake after eating about a cup of butter. He ate a huge bowl of ice cream. Boys are gross, Morgan says. So, Morgan, congratulations. Greg, do you concur? That's a good story. Yes, yes. Well earned. Well earned. Thank you, Morgan. That does uh, trump the Chi-Chi's fried ice cream because that's an actual thing versus eating half a bowl of whipped butter, which did look so delicious back. Congratulations, Morgan. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb in a moment. We're going to tell you about a really important event and discussion that features our very own Loren McNabb as it pertains to vaccines in the workplace. But guys, you're not going to believe this. Uh, We read the text message from Kevin about Chi-Chi's and how he was always asking his mom to get him this magical fried ice cream, and she never did. And so now he still razzes her, saying that not having fried ice cream ruined his childhood and would have saved the Jets. 
She's on the line. Robin oh. has called to defend herself. <laughs> Robin. <laughs> Hi. I'm here. So what's the story? Well, I just thought it was the most ridiculous thing. Fried ice cream. You want to go for fried ice cream? How do they do fried ice cream? Mackling, do you want to know, Robin? I will tell you. You take uh, frozen ice cream, as frozen as you can make it, and then you uh, basically you cut it out of a block and you roll it out in almost like a strip and then you roll it in crushed cornflake crumbs and the world's best secret ingredient, cinnamon. You roll it, you basically make a snowball out of it and you compact it as tight as you can and then you refreeze it as cold as you can freeze it. It went in the deep fryer in and out almost as quickly as it went in. It came back out. You put it on a fried tortilla with a little bit of whipped cream, a little bit of honey on drizzled on top, more whipped cream, a little maraschino cherry to finish it off. It was pure delight and science defying all at the same time. <laughs> I... Robin, you know what I'm hearing in all this? Your son needs to take you to Mexico. That's what I'm hearing. Well, that's true. I, mean, I think he's had it in Fargo or wherever, but I mean, at, after, Jets game, after the Jets game, it was go home, and that was it. <laughs> I hear you. You got to get your kid to bed. for fried ice cream. And you would have yeah. saved the Jets, too. I think, <laughs> I think he's right. It's true. But anyways, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but didn't, you know, 10 years old, and we're talking about this. 30 years later. <laughs> he holds a garage robin. His soul is hurt. It's damaged. Bring back Chi-Chi's and I'll take them there. <laughs> okay. Well, Robin, thank One you so much for calling in. <laughs> thank right. you for calling in. Uh, <laughs> that is great. Called Cam Poitras came bursting in saying, "Is Kevin's mama's on the phone. She wants to defend herself. So, <laughs> uh, Robin, thank you so much for playing along. That's great. It was I need really to take good all these too. text messages about Chi-Chi's and stuff. I need to take them to my investor group and to the bank so that I can get the money to reopen Chi-Chi's, plain and simply. I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. I just, I can't, I can't believe either, it hasn't happened. To be frank. All right. So, thanks. Sorry for the dis- <laughs> indulging the That's distraction. Uh, but we do need to ask you an important question here, and that has to do with will the COVID-19 vaccines be a requirement to travel or to go to school? Yeah, we're seeing that question as it's coming up. It's come up several times over the past year. And of course, the conversation around it has intensified over the last several weeks and months. And when it does, Loren, it often leads to questions about how vaccines will play out in the workplace. Yeah. And so tomorrow, a local company, Vexit, they're hosting a virtual event aimed at tackling some of the questions you might have as an employer or an employee. Vexit, just for background, it works to connect professionals with companies and businesses who might need maybe an accountant or legal or HR or recruiting advice. And so they've been hosting seminars throughout the year related to many of the questions we have about COVID period in the workplace. And tomorrow, as you said, Greg, they're talking about the workforce and our next guest is bringing her expertise to the event and we're pleased to bring on Lisa Cheffley of Legacy Bowls. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. So what is the number one question you're hearing from employers or employees when it comes to the vaccine? What's predominant? Well, uh, basically questions just for any insight. What do we do? What are we required to do? 
uh, what's appropriate for an employer, what's appropriate for an employee. There's just a lot of uncertainty as to, um, yeah, what is appropriate, basically. Is it hard to answer some of these questions because there's just so much unknown? Well, I mean, you know, there there are um, rules and regulations and, and within the labor code that guides us with respect to uh, past precedent uh, with respect to workplace safety. And basically that's what we're getting to. It's all, the foundation of it all is workplace safety. And safety is the responsibility of everyone, whether an employee is vaccinated or not. There is no distinguishable um, uh, attribute to that. You're simply an employee. So um, grounding it on uh, workplace safety and working from there is what we're getting at questions from. Lisa, in my mind, uh, workplace safety has always been sort of a, not because it it is anything other than protective, but that's sort of the minimum standard. And if I want to go above and beyond that, I can write that into my own workplace regulations and rules. Are there limitations as to what sorts of things that I can write in to those additional rules and regulations as it pertains to my personal business? Um. There aren't necessarily limitations. I think it's going to be a two-way conversation that business owners, whether you're a large employer or you're a small one, where you're going to have to start looking and saying, okay, we have a duty to accommodate our employees' requests. Uh, we have to do everything that's reasonable. Um, if there are direct safety uh, concerns because of the interaction of the employee's uh, work tasks that make it a higher concern, then there need to be more protocols and, and better understanding for those employees who are working in those settings. And then in the other ones that are considered, let's say, like to your point, you know, the basic work standards, we've, we need to develop procedures and protocols on that too, because this really is um, uncharted territory in some ways. Yeah. And I'm curious, Lisa, what you're hearing when it comes to the concern over the possibility that this could become divisive and we've seen throughout this pandemic so much frustration and anger on all sorts of sides and so I'm, I'm wondering how what the vice is to best manage that because you know policies around vaccines even stating your opinion around them can go down a number of roads and right. there might be worry about it creating that divisiveness in the workplace. Well I think it goes back to uh, without a doubt you know we will still have to be bound by privacy issues so an employer cannot be disclosing any type of private information about an employee to another employee to a client so that will still have to sort of be a parameter that works within um, in terms of again having different options of how they can accommodate uh, different employee requests and some and it'll be a two-way street so the employee will also have to work through some of the options that the employer tries out. So I think it'll be a little give and take for every employer and employee to find that sort of that common ground that's going to work uh, for everybody. And possibly in one situation, um, there may have to be situations where several options are looked at and it has to be looked at at a case-by-case basis because a rule or a procedure or a policy could work for a majority of the workforce in any one employer's um, area. And yet there will always be exceptions, as there are now when we deal with uh, issues of privacy or uh, issues of condition with religion uh, or 
other duty to accommodate issues. Can a company just point blank tell their their, their workers, if, like if they so decide, look, we uh, we want as many people as va- vaccinated as possible, so we're going to make this mandatory. Can they do that? Well, if, if it's if if it's not um, directly related to the actual interaction that they're working in, like close proximity, it's, it's going to really uh, be based on the type of work it is, because. Simply saying it's mandatory and yet there aren't other options to, you know, well, can you put other protocols in place, safety precautions? An employer will most likely not be able to just mandate and insist if the risk isn't there, if there's another way to accommodate. So tomorrow's event, Lisa, sorry, go ahead, Greg, with your your final thought there. No, that's fine. That's fine. No, go ahead, Loren. I was just going to say the event starts at 12. Um, you're a part of it. And of course, it'll be legal questions that can be answered by Scott Hepner of Thomas Dorfman Sweatman. Um, I would anticipate with this kind of event that the questions aren't just from what the employer can do, but employees as well. Exactly, because there's, there's a lot of different questions, right? So we are getting calls from employees, and we encourage all employees to work with their human resource professional uh, within their own uh, employer and and start the conversation to find out what is what is fear, uh, what is true fact, and then um, look at options to make it work for everybody because everybody wants to keep their job, but everyone has a right to work in a safe environment as well. Lisa Cheffley, Legacy Bowes, joining us live on six eighty CJOB. Thank you so much for joining us today. Very much appreciated. Thank you for having me. And once again, this event starts tomorrow at twelve. Loren McNabb. Running the show, you're the MC. Yeah, and it's very, they're really good uh, group to work with because they bring in all these different experts from across uh, Manitoba and in other cases maybe might be coming from outside the country. But I just have to say, what do you think? And you answered the question. I don't have to answer anything. I do have to learn some technology today, which always <laughs> freaks me out. <laughs> I got to run some sort of survey. There'll be surveys taken. We'll have like on the spot poll results. It's just, it's going to be fun if I can do it right. (laughs) Look, if there's multitasking involved, I nominate you to be in charge of any multitasking oriented excitement. So uh, you'll have As long as Moose stays upstairs, no issues. Once he comes downstairs, (laughs) it's all over. I think the attendees will love to see a guest appearance from uh, Moose himself. (laughs) Vexit.com for more information, V-E-X-X-I-T.com. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.